Bless you. Father, we thank you, Lord, to cover this word with the power of your truth and the spirit of your righteousness. Father, let everything come forth be true. Let it divide into the very marrow of our own souls and our minds. And might we, Father, come to agreement with you in the living word. And might we be activated and excited about you and this word. I thank you, Father. Bring it forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome and thank you again for, uh, for being here with us. I don't think I chased too many people away so far today. That's always a good sign. If you're watching online, thank you for tuning in. And we are so blessed by those of you who write to us and tell us where you're at and what you're receiving. And uh, it continues to excite us. Uh, you know how to go online. If you do, you're on watching now, so you've got it, and you can scroll through and even see some of the uh, previous sermons and some other good stuff that's going on. We have been on a journey of discovery of the righteousness of God. Um, for those who are new today, forgive me, but I, it's hard to go all the way back through all of it, other than to say that uh, we've been building off of the Scripture in Matthew 6, 33, amongst many others, and uh, this is where Jesus has already told uh, in his coming off of the Beatitudes, he's already said, listen, uh, the Lord knows what you need, and he says, look at the, the flowers in the field and how they're clothed with majesty, and this is stubble, it doesn't last very long, look how much more important you are, he said, you don't need to worry about what to eat. You don't need to worry about what you're clothed in. You don't need to worry about what to drink. The, the little uh, excerpt that I sent out yesterday said it's time for spiritual math, so we're going to do some of that today. And uh, I put a little, little uh, conjecture in there, and I said, hmm, let's do some spiritual calculations. One is kingdom, plus two is righteousness, and that equals Things multiplied by things, which equals all things. And this is what Jesus says in that scripture. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, he's referring to what you eat, what you drink, what you're clothed with. And he's talking about the basics, but we're going to underline the word added. And we'll get back to that. And um, I then offered this as well. And I said, Miles Monroe had some amazing insight into this Jesus promise. Jesus says that when we do make the kingdom our priority, then there's other things that we have spent our lives pursuing, which will turn around and pursue us. They will chase us down. This is a fundamental principle of the kingdom of God. Now, most of you know, Miles went on to be with the Lord in a tragic accident a few years back. Uh, we had the opportunity for him to be and share with us here in this church. He is a friend. He was a friend. He still is a friend. He's just in another place. And so we want to invoke the mind of Christ and build upon what some have gone before us and shared and be able to grow in that. And today, it is my intent that you can grab a little bit more about what it means to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This sounds, you know, simple but difficult. 
First of all, people have a hard time defining kingdom and righteousness, so they're not sure what they're seeking. And secondly, once you've defined it, then is it something that you have to continue to discover, or do you have it? And in this instance, I want to share with you the concept of the kingdom and of righteousness. So let's break it down a little bit. First of all, for there to be a kingdom, there has to be what? A king. So it's a very obvious evidentiary to us that Jesus Christ is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and this is his kingdom, his government without end. We know from Isaiah that this kingdom is called a government. In God's eyes, it's a government. We also know that it's called a nation and a country throughout the Scriptures. It may be invisible, but it's a kingdom that's a country. And this, this country is a very large nation that has no end whatsoever. There's citizenship in this kingdom, isn't it? We're told that we're no longer citizens of this world, but we're citizens of heaven. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. We may be physically in this world yet, but spiritually you are also in the kingdom of God. Which kingdom is greater? The kingdom of God. Which kingdom has more influence in our day-to-day lives? If we're honest, the kingdom of this world. Which one do we respond to with greater priorities? Typically the kingdoms of this world. But to seek the kingdom of God reverses all of that. And it's a different understanding. The Hebrew word for kingdom is mamlaka. Turn to the person next to you and say mamlaka. And tell them I'm learning Hebrew. And it very specifically means dominion. So this kingdom, any kingdom, has a dominion. It means it's, it, it has a sphere of influence, which is typically geographic, right? A nation without borders doesn't have dominion. It's not really a nation. A nation that's defined by borders has a dominion, and a dominion is to its borders. Most of the wars and battles from the beginning of time are over the borders. It's over dominion. It's over the resources within those areas. It's wanting what somebody else has, so they cross the border. They cross into their area of sphere of influence to try and take it or steal it or dominate it. The devil has a dominion. It's called the world. He's the prince of this world. He has a dominion in this world. And he also tries to cross over, follow me now, to cross over into your dominion, which is not of this world, to steal what you have. He crosses over into your dominion to declare war on you in your dominion. And one of the other ways he does that is by trying to entice you into his dominion. He wants you to fight his way. He wants you to prioritize his way. But we're not going to be those who fall asleep and fall for the praise and wiles of that one that we know is a murderer and a thief and a deceiver. Um, this takes into many things, many things when we consider uh, mamlaka and the understanding of the Hebrew word. First of all, it's God's government. It's God's government. We have to understand that the kingdom that we're talking about here to seek is God's government. We want to seek God's government, the increase of which has no end, correct? 
Now, don't get caught up with the world mindset and think that the no end is only numbers of people. It's no, not just numbers of people. It's the eternal capacity of abundance of everything for all of those in the government. We have a king who has everything. We has a, have a king who has access to everything. We have a king who's an absolute sovereign. Nobody can ever dispute what this king says. In a little moment, we're going to talk about his constitution, but that's his king. So our king, the one that we serve in his government for, is a government that has all the resources for everything that the governors in his kingdom need. He actually tells us what in the scriptures were kings and priests. And so we see that this is a government. Secondly, it's a rulership. There's a rulership that functions in this government. Now, I don't have time and nor will I diverge back to the, the mysteries of the spheres of the kingdom. Most, some of you sat through, there was 25 weeks of, of teaching that was done on, a, on a, a particular evening, and it's been compiled into a book which is ready to be published. I'm about ready to release it. I've got a few more things I want to fix in it and add to it. Um, but we all have spheres of influence, and those spheres of influence come out of what Paul said. And Paul said in, in, uh, in, in Ephesians 4 and 2 Corinthians in 10, he said that everybody is measured according to the measure of who they are, and we don't go outside our sphere. But within that sphere, we have a very strong influence, not only on each other, but what God gives us. There's a rulership structure that God has in his kingdom. And we also know that what? In Ephesians 4, we learn about the, the different offices of the ministry. And it's fivefold, right? The fivefold ministry. He said some are called as evangelists, some as teachers, some as pastors, some as prophets, some as apostles. And these are for the edifying of the body of Christ. So there's five spheres in those five offices. The body of Christ is a big sphere. And at the head of all of that is Jesus Christ. And everything is in him and he is in us. So it's got a rulership authority to it. He's got his delegations in his government, which are people or, or creatures that he's created to serve him. There's angelic hosts. And we also understand that within the body of Christ, we are given spheres of influence, first of all, in our families. Secondly, in the places that we go or work. Thirdly, in relationships. Relationships aren't just something we're to take casually. Relationships are given to us as a trust from God to be responsible to one another in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, unlike a lot of kingdoms, is very relational. What does that mean? Well, you may not ever meet the person who legislated something that affects your life, but you not only have met Jesus Christ, he's in you and you are in him. In the government system, there are people that determine laws and rules that affect everything you do every day. How about when they legislate taxes that you have no say about? And all of a sudden you're paying more taxes. How about when they tell you you can't do this or go there or you're going to do this or you can't burn fuels or you're going to you have to plug into this particular thing. And, and, and you have laws that you didn't particularly agree to. But in the kingdom of God, those laws aren't uh, unrelational. They're totally relational. God says, not only have I done all of these for you, I've done it for your best God good. It's the highest level 
highest level of righteousness. And so in the kingdom, there's rulership. In the kingdom, we know that it's dominion. We discussed there's a jurisdiction, and that jurisdiction is broken down into what our sphere of influences is, and ultimately, God Himself, the Creator of the universe, has it all. And there's an impact here on earth. So in this citizenship that we have, joining a particular religion will not solve our problems. Denominations aren't going to solve our problems. A particular religion isn't going to solve our problems. Uh, Becoming something by title only isn't going to do anything for us in our walk with God. We must grasp our citizenship is the kingdom of God. And our citizenship with the kingdom of God is in a personal relationship, a chain that cannot be broken with the very king himself. So we also have to have this mind renewed inside of us that, you know, I, I attended the temple and I attended a Catholic high school and I attended some other things too. And there were some similarities there. In the temple, at first, uh, in a liberality of, of Jewish faith, you know, we went a couple times a year. We went when there were high holy days. We went on the Day of Atonement, and we went for Yom Kippur, and, uh, you know, typically it was something we did. We got the day off, not really that I looked forward to, to be honest with you, other than the food. And, um, you know, it was long and boring, and I didn't really feel anything. Um, on the other hand, when I attended a Catholic high school, I attended Ursuline locally for three and a half years. I went there to play sports. I didn't, I wasn't of the Catholic faith. But in that same end, um, it was pretty much drilled into everybody there um, through three and a half years of religion that I took every day that we had to take that, you know, attending church on Sunday and being part of the Catholic faith. Uh, if you're not there, you're lost. You need to be there. You need to be there. And you need to go to confession on Friday or Saturday, and you must take communion. And boy, I, you know, I'm out raising cane with guys, and then I'm seeing them lining up for confession on a Friday and Saturday so they could go to Mass. And then Monday, they're just raising cane again right along with me. So that seemed to have a hypocrisy to it that I didn't get. Because the, the religious feeling is just that. It's a tradition. It's a ritual. But the citizenship of the kingdom of heaven is a transformation. And we transform into what? Children of God. We become the living children of God. God and His family. It's beyond what can be legislated to us by any system on earth. And it's absolutely being in the security of the kingdom of God. Now, with the kingdom of God comes His righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Forget about what's being added right now. Let's talk about righteousness. There's a New Testament Greek word, which isn't isn't that important other than to understand what its definition is. It's dikaios. But here's what it means. It's those who are upright. Not just standing upright, but upright with moral character, ethical character, doing the right things for the right reasons at the right times being just, being righteous, and when it's applied to God, conforming to God's kingdom and His laws. God's kingdom and His laws. 
So it also carries this quality, by the way, when you look at it, that says that the righteous person in the kingdom of God is without prejudice or partiality. Without prejudice or partiality. The prejudice thing is pretty easy for us to find. The partiality gets a little obscured and gray, doesn't it? I find oftentimes that, especially um, in ministry, that people feel less than something else when other people have a more partial relationship with somebody. And they say, well, he's or she is partial to them. We must understand in the kingdom of God that we have a responsibility in righteousness of God to walk impartially. And that means that even though we have a special relationship with somebody, because of that special relationship, we're not going to favor them over something else or someone else that God gives us to do. That's part of being dikaios of righteous in God. That's a little tougher for us. Prejudice is easy. You know, you just if you if you've got some prejudices, you just got to nail them against the wall and 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 repent of them and get rid of them. But impartiality is a little bit harder. Um, in the Old Testament, now we talked about in the Greek, in the Old Testament, in, in the in the uh, their Hebrew words sedek and sedaka, and these also carry the meaning of righteousness, but they're legal terms. Now, it makes sense that they're legal terms because of the law, but Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. So we don't want to throw Sedek uh, and Sedaka out. In fact, I just want to leave this with you again a little bit. I shared this um, when Laura Lee and I were with Mosey Madugba and his wife Gloria a couple days ago. And I said, I said, listen, a lot of people don't get a, a comprehension of really what Jesus did when he fulfilled the law. And, and he continues to fulfill it. But when you understand the blood, and you understand that the blood of, of bulls and goats was an atonement, and it was a covering, but it was temporal. It wasn't eternal. It didn't stick. It went from year to year whenever there was a, a sacrifice. It was Jesus's blood that is the remission. It's the cleansing. But we understand that all of those faithful people who righteously wanted to uphold the law and go into the law uh, and, and do what he asked them to do and perform their rituals to spill the blood, and the priest that spilled the blood, well, did, did God just waste their time? Did God not have a purpose in that? It's as if they had punched a ticket, and the place where they were able then to redeem that ticket was in Jesus' hands when he descended and fulfilled the law and handed those in, and he said, it's by my blood now that all of these coupons and tickets are redeemed for atonement. He fulfilled the law. The promise of the law is fulfilled by Jesus Christ, not destroyed. If he destroyed the law, then that made all of those years that were involved prior to him coming as wasted, useless years, and it would make the God of law to be something that has no purpose, but it has purpose. So we understand that the Hebrew understanding and the law of righteousness is important to us. And there's a judicial process that we, we read of in Jeremiah 22, 1 Kings, I don't have time to go into it, Psalms 119, Proverbs 8, and it's a source of justice, and it's God himself, and, and what it is in this judicial process, there's a word for it, and it's legal corpus, and that means the body of law that runs a country. Every country has a legal corpus. Our country has what has become a very complicated legal corpus. The longer a country is around, the more 
complicated the legal corpus gets. There are communist countries that say they have a legal corpus, but they'll change it at the whim and the will. If the dictator wants to stay in, then all of a sudden the terms that are in the Constitution don't matter, and they're in, they're in, they're in. And if they're supposed to be uh, trial by jury, but they don't like it and they want to kill them tomorrow, they find out a way to change it tomorrow. The legal corpus is subject to the king. The legal corpus of the kingdom of God has been set down for us starting all the way in the beginning of Genesis and in the last words of Revelation. It's a constitution in a sense, the legal corpus. It's called Holy Scripture. It's called the Bible. This Bible tells us everything that we need to know here on earth right now about the kingdom of righteousness of God. So we have a legal corpus. And we have an understanding of what God wants us to do. Seek the kingdom and seek his righteousness. And seek the kingdom is to become a citizen of the kingdom. Once you're a citizen of the kingdom, then you've established, but now you're qualified for righteousness. But without righteousness, you can't be a citizen of the kingdom. There's not a dichotomy there. They're not separate from each other. They are mutually requiring each other in order to have substance. So we've established heaven is like a country. It's an invisible country. Nonetheless, it's a country. And we understand that the authority of heaven is the king of glory, the Lord of hosts. He's the king. And we've established that he's put some vice regents in place. There's an angelic structure, and there's also a structure in the body of Christ. God gives dominion to people in certain areas. Now, I've been blessed to go to many places around the world and to, to co-serve or to serve or to be honored or to bless, to participate in ministry. I always ask the Lord, what is my assignment? I don't want to go in the measure of somebody else's measure. When I went to Pakistan for Anwar again, I didn't go there to supplant Amor and try to do better what he does best. I went there to serve, and I found the areas that I could serve in and served him. But I didn't go outside my measure. I was in his sphere of influence with the power that God gives me to carry with me. In this house, we have a sphere of influence. As you go out and about with what the calls that God has put on your life, then you are drawing from this sphere of influence to go out with your power. When I was in Pakistan, it was like Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, it's as if you're with me as we're expanding the sphere of influence that God has given me. Paul came out and he said, I can't do it without you. And I say that to you all the time. I can't do what God has given Laura Lee and I and Patty to do without you. We can't do it without you. We do it with you. And we find we're much structure. Now, you have to decide what your sphere of influence is and where you belong. If your decision is based only on denomination, or if it's only based on culture and tradition, or it's based on something historical that passed its time and went by, then you become frozen. You're frozen in time. You're frozen where there's nothing actively happening in our lives. That's why we constantly want to press in for fresh revelation from God, and we want to constantly serve Him and be willing to change and transform because God is constantly transforming and changing things. Here, thank God He is here on this earth, and we all know there's a lot of change that needs to happen. Now, going back on, every country demands righteousness. 
Unfortunately, righteousness doesn't serve every country. The kingdom of God absolutely demands perfect righteousness. It must be perfect. It cannot have any qualities of injustice. He's a just God in every end. We already know we operate under the Holy Scripture of God, and we have another helper. We have the Holy Spirit. So when there's a question mark, and there's a conviction in our spirit or in our conscience or in our mind about what's right or wrong of God, and we get different interpretations in the Word, right? I mean, I have had people tell me that their pastors in their church have condoned certain types of behavior that when they've come to me, they were confused, and I've shown them in the Word where it's not appropriate. And I've come under attack from that locally, and I've come under attack from that nationally. I've come under attack from people that say that, you know, we don't have compassion and we're not tolerant. Well, it's not a matter of compassion. It's a matter of being intolerant of those things. We don't tolerate them to the sake of conforming to the world at the sake of God's laws, right? And I'm, I'm point blank about it. Abortion is not approved by Scripture. Abortion is taking life. Same-sex marriage is not approved by Scripture. Same-sex marriage is giving in to the wrong spirit of lust. Homosexuality is, a, is an illness. They may not like it. I know they'll attack me, but it's a spiritual illness that God can deliver people from. We understand what it is in Scripture. I'm sorry, but there are certain things in Scripture we must stand on and be strong on. And there are some members and family members that are experiencing problems. It doesn't make that person bad. It doesn't. You love them and you pray for them and you show them the love of Christ. But you do not conform to it and say, God's okay with it. God loves everybody, but He's, you know, thank God that He loves me, but He's not okay with every fleshly thing I do. Because if so, then I become my own God. And then we begin to tell God who He is instead of God telling us what is. And all of a sudden, we have a dysfunctional kingdom, a dysfunctional government. The precepts and foundations of the laws of the kingdom of God are immutable. God does not change, so His righteousness does not change. Thank God His righteousness does not change, because then we're secure. We're secure in Him, we're secure in faith, we're secure in eternity, in our salvation and redemption. So, let's continue on. We see that there's a close proximity between righteousness and justice, and God, if He does not declare justice, if there's not justification, first of all, is almost the same word as righteousness, right? It says in Romans that we've been predestined. If we've been predestined, we've been called. If we've been called, then we are justified. Justification means we've been made righteous. We've been justified before God, not ourselves, justified before God. We were predestined by God. We were called by God. We were justified by God. And then it says that if we're justified, then justification, righteousness does what? It produces holiness, sanctification. Holiness isn't a process that you can work into. Holiness is the byproduct of being righteous. If you're righteousness in God, then you're holy. What does that mean? It means then you can be a priest before God. You're in a position to be a priest with God. If you're not holy, you can't touch the things of God. 
you can get all the degrees in the world. You can be commissioned. You can be prayed over. You can go to church every Sunday. You can have all kind of religious ways that doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean you're sanctified and holy, walking in holiness, if you haven't attained the righteousness of God. Now, we'll get into that in a moment. It's not something that you have to work at. So, we see, unlike many earthly nations, that our relationship to God is absolutely material in how we position ourselves in His kingdom. Righteousness is the positioning of God in His kingdom. The kingdom itself is the disposition. It's where you're at. It's where you're placed. There's a big difference between it. Kingdom is like the administration. Righteousness is the power of the administration. And, and it's, 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 the, it's the access to all of the power of his, uh, of his government. So, let's say it like this. Seek to become a citizen of the kingdom of God. And then stay in alignment with the government's laws. If you do these two things then citizenship and obedience to the laws, then everything that you need will be added to you. Wow. What could be simpler? Now let's talk about that a minute. It's not saying don't work. There are things that we can acquire by our own work and we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to labor. We're supposed to be able to provide. We're not supposed to be slothful. In fact, what did it say in Ecclesiastes? Everything that you set your hands to, do it with excellence. And so sometimes it makes us, you know, uh, a little ODD. You know, we want to overdo things because we want to do them with excellence. I, I'm guilty of that at times. I just can't let something go done in a little way. So I either don't do it or if I get involved in it, I'm going to get it all the way done. It's one extreme or the other way. And so in this instance, we understand that when we're talking about moving in the kingdom of God and setting our priorities right, Jesus very carefully used these words, these things, all these things shall be added to you. Well, number one, I don't know about you, but no matter how I work, I can't get all these things. I can't get all these things. You can't get all these things. You'll, you'll drive yourself crazy trying to get all these things. Make your list. I don't know what they are. It's probably a very good list. If you're a parent, you want things for your child right? And if, uh, you, you know, you're a child, you want, if you're a child who's matured, you want things for your parents. Uh, there's husbands want stuff for their wives, wives for their husbands. There's things that you need to do and you want to do. There's things that cause you anxiety because you can't achieve them. You can't get them. You can't fulfill it. And guess what? In your lifetime, you most likely aren't going to do everything that you want to achieve on your own. But Jesus says, do these two things. Establish your citizenship in the kingdom of God and his righteousness, position with God, and then all these things shall be, now underscore, added to you. You're working, God's taking you further. You're doing what you can do, God's going to do more. Added to you means that if you want to live in the abundance of God, then you fulfill in his righteousness and the abundance. Jesus Christ said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Not just abundantly, more abundantly. 
More abundantly means he's going to add more onto it than what you had anticipated or could possibly hope for or do yourself. Adding things unto you is not necessarily telling you, you know, uh, my child's growing out of their shoes. I'm not going to buy them shoes. God's going to give them to them. No, you go buy your child's shoes. But maybe God will give them two more pairs of shoes. Maybe God's going to give them something more important than that. Maybe he's going to give them healthy feet. Maybe God's going to add things unto them that you can't do. Maybe you've got an impossible disease in the family line that God's going to heal. Maybe there's something that God's going to take beyond the fact of what you can do. I don't say maybe. I say most likely, probably, and most certainly. God will do the impossible things for you because you are in His kingdom and you're aligned with His righteousness. Outside of His kingdom, you're on your own. You say, well, God blesses the rich and He blesses the other. Yes, but He doesn't say He's adding things unto them. Maybe He's not taken away from them, but He's not adding things unto them. The most important things are the things we don't see. They're the things that are beyond anything we could possibly understand or hope for. And they also mount up not only become manifested in this world, but in the one to come. They become manifested in a heavenly place, and the Lord stores up treasures for us that we're going to shake our head and say, wow. You know, we know that we don't impress God with good deeds, but we also know, as we were told, if you have faith, then where's your works? We know the fruits of a tree, right? We know a tree by its fruits. There are fruits of righteousness, and fruits of righteousness are the good things that we do and not necessarily looking to be acknowledged for them. We just do them. And most typically, they require your time, your attention, sometimes your finances, your resources, and it's all about setting priorities. And that's what this finally boils down to. Seek ye first. What's your priority? Is your priority your own needs, or is your priority seeking first the citizenship of the kingdom of God and the righteousness standing with God, and then he adds all these other things to you. Or is your priority your other needs first and then God? Now, there's a very large denomination that took odds with me some years back because I took odds with them, and they literally had a poster, and they had this structure that came out, and they wanted all their pastors to use this structure. And basically what it says God first, right? And then it said family, and then it said service to God. I said, wrong. I said, that's, you've got it upside down. I said, it's God first, service to God, and then family. I know a few people that have bought into that, and they said, well, when I get my family all situated, I'm going to step out for God. 30 years later, they still haven't stepped out for God, and their family's still not situated. And I see people nodding their heads. You cannot let the things of this world get between you and the priorities of God. And you say, but pastor, you don't understand. Ah, you're talking to the wrong guy. Jeannie knows. I walked away from everything, and I didn't even understand righteousness. I just had the fear of God. He just called me and I answered. I was like Gideon with my head in the ground. He said, you man of valor? I said, me? That man of nothing. And God said, go. I said, I'm going to go, but I don't like it. And it wasn't even right in my heart. And I didn't see the love of Christ for years. 
I didn't understand the love of Christ. You lose your family, you lose your business, you're marked, you're thrown out, you don't belong anywhere, you don't have electricity, you don't have water, you don't have food, you don't have a vehicle, you, you lose everything in the love of Christ. I'm not going to Christians say, Jesus loves you. Really? Jesus loves me? Jesus loves me. How come He loves me so much that when I was in the world, I had everything I wanted? I thought. Right? So we need to understand priorities. And priorities, you know, we have to make a mental decision about our priorities. There will always be things that come up to distract us from the things that God wants us to do. And my wife and I have come to the place where when the phone rings and we know it's of God, and even though we had something else planned, we say, okay. And almost all the time, it doesn't fit with our schedule. <laughs> all the time. But I was going to, yeah. But I was going to, but I'm in the middle of, yeah. Okay, Lord, I'll go. But you want to go with the right heart. So you say, what's my assignment? What is it you want me to do? I want to stay within my sphere. None of this matters or works if you don't go to the Word first and make the kingdom of God and His righteousness the priority. But when you do, then all these other things, the things of what? The things of the kingdom. The thing that the kingdom has, which has what kind of quality to it? Abundance. Everything in the kingdom is abundant. It never runs out. It's never diminished. It's never less. It's never impotent. It never has less potency here than here. What God gives is totally potent and able to do whatever you need to do and then beyond so. As long as we seek the first, the kingdom of God first and upstand in His righteousness. So let's move on. I have a little bit of time left and then we're going to have some prayer. So these are two priorities for us, kingdom and righteousness. Let me establish this. Remember we did the study on this, the mystery of the spheres? And I told you that the spheres have a horizontal and a vertical relationship. The horizontal is it's ever increasing. It's the body of Christ. It's moving out. And within it, there's a direct correlation to what God is using us as. Are you the eye? Are you the ear? Are you the toe? Are you the foot? Are you the tongue? You know, we're just doing symbolic of the body of Christ. We all have functions that are positioned by God, vertical and horizontal. It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. You have the, the horizontal relationship. That's the kingdom. It's dominion. It's the dominion of God. It's His government. Now, it's unfair to Him to put a linear line on it because <laughs> he's, he's everywhere and everything. But let's just say it's a total sphere of anything that encompasses everything without end. But within it, you then have the vertical relationship. It's called positioning. The way GPS works is that it gets a global view from a satellite of the entire earth and everything that is known on that earth that's been recorded. And then it takes longitude and latitude, breaks it down into seconds and microseconds and positions whatever it is that's right there. You know, it used to be some years back when we were going to move some dirt, you, you know, you had to, to get out and you didn't even have a laser back then. You had to set your marks and set your surveys and you go out with the bulldozer and you had to be skilled enough to peel enough of the dirt off and try to get your levels within uh, uh, reason. But now they have GPS positioning built right into these machines. 
Uh, I was operating one last month. I didn't even know how to turn the stuff on or off. And I just turned it off and went back to the old way. It said, I know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. He says, well, you should learn to do that because it's perfect. I said, well, good news about dirt is you don't always need to be perfect. Dirt is dirt, so I'm okay with it. And, but its GPS comes right into the controls of the bulldozer. And it skims it and moves it and runs it by itself. By itself. GPS positioning. Righteousness is the same way. Righteousness operates in you by yourself. It's the longitude, the latitude of God in the kingdom of God. You're in the right position with God no matter where you are in the kingdom and it keeps you perfected. It keeps you right in the stead of what God wants. That's why Jesus says, if, you, if you're in the kingdom, you're a citizen of the kingdom and you are operating in righteousness, all these things are going to be able to be added right to you. Look at your righteousness as alignment with God, right? You get a brand new set of tires on a brand new car. You go down Raccoon Road, which God knows they need to fix those holes. And you smack your tire in there and that thing's wobbling the next day. And you say, dang, brand new car, brand new tires. I heard something. Is it out of alignment? Did I put a, put a bump in the wheel? Is the tire, you know, got a lop in it? What's going on? You're out of alignment and it bugs you until you get that wobble back out of there. It's the same thing with the righteousness of God. We know when we're out of alignment. And if we don't know, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us all the time if you're stepping out. Because when you're out of alignment with God, you're out of position and the abundance doesn't flow. The things don't flow. That means you can keep working with God. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. I also don't preach once saved and always saved. Because the Word tells you there are those that can fall in and suffer the second death. There are things that could happen with people will trade away their redemption and salvation. I've seen it happen. Unfortunately, I didn't like it. I saw it happen with a couple people who I knew wantonly walked away from God and they died tragically in their sins. All you could say is God's grace. But I couldn't preach at their funeral and say they were saved because it wasn't a testimony that I could hold on to. But in this instance, when you're walking in the Lord and you begin to wobble, it's time to get alignment and to get straight with God so that the abundance will flow. And we see that in this, we have we are called both as priests and as kings. Can we go to 1 Peter 2.9 quick? Well, let's go to Revelation 1.5. Revelation 1.5. And I'm just going to break it down. To Him who loved us and has made us kings and priests to His God and Father. To Him who loved us and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. Kings and priests. And then also in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Notice, he calls us a holy nation. So if you thought Pastor Frank was preaching something that wasn't in the Word. The kingdom of God is a holy nation. To God, it's a nation. Because it has rulership here on earth. It's his nation. We are his nation here on earth. And our nation has a creed. Our nation has a court. Our nation has a constitution. Our nation has dominion. And our nation has resources. All embodied in righteousness and dominion. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. So there's, there's no schizophrenics in the kingdom of God. 
right? You're both a priest and a king. You're not one or the other. You're both. The king has its dominion. You are made as a king of whatever dominion God has given you. And as a kingship, you have authority and dominion. And you have ownership and legal title to a certain area of the nation. You have a title deed. Now, everybody's looking for their purpose and identity. Too much has been said about that. I say, look for your place. You can look for your purpose and identity. Well, I'm called to prophesy to the world. That's good, but where are you doing it from? Right? You can prophesy to the world in the mirror coming out of the shower every day. The world ain't here in squat. you got to have a place. you got to be in position where God wants you to be. So as a king, you have dominion. But as a priest, as a priest, because of the righteousness of God, you have access. And as the priest, you can go in holy to the Lord. And your holiness, what did I tell you, is a byproduct of your righteousness. The righteousness of Christ is in you. Remember? We go back to when we first started on this. He was made sin who knew no sin that ye might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Because he was made sin, you were made righteous. Either you're made righteous or you're not. There's no in-between. No schizophrenics in the kingdom of God. You're either in or you're out. There's no little bit of sin left with a lot of righteousness. You are the righteousness of God. You can get out of alignment. You take 1 John 1.9. You confess your sin. God is just. God is just. God is just. Same word as righteous. God is just to forgive you, get you right back in alignment because God wants to bless you and He wants to use you. That's why service can never be the last priority. Service must be, you love God, then serve God. You can't love God and not serve God. I'm just telling you. You serve what you love. You serve what your priorities are. You practice what you are. I don't want anybody in a ministry I'm involved with ever, wherever you're at, that has received Jesus Christ and have been made the righteousness of God to confess you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. Yes, we have, but I'm not short of it anymore. I've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I've been restored by Jesus Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. He's in you. He's in me. We're in Him, which makes us perfected in Him. You either are or you're not. You're not going to get me confessing I'm a sinner because if I confess it long enough, get what I become. A sinner. You become what you say you are over and over. That's why it's so harmful with teachers who tell young kids you're never going to be anything. Get out of here. You can't do this. It's happened to me. Has it happened to you? Yeah. It stuck with me. I had a teacher tell me early on in elementary, you know, you're just not good with numbers. You're never going to, you can't do this. So I went to high school. I said, I don't like numbers. I like English. But guess what? Today, I can look at something and tell you how many cubic yards it's going to take, how many blocks it's going to take, how much dirt we need to move. And boy, when it comes to money, you want to add up money? This Jew will add up money right in his head. Ding, 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 ding. And I won't be far off. So they were wrong, but they were right. But they put it on me and I received it. And my brother, he was a valedictorian. Yeah, algebra, this, that. He was knocking it all down and they couldn't understand what happened to me. I didn't care. I said, I'm not going to be good at it anyway. Why am I going to waste my time on this garbage? I enjoy some other stuff. You see, we have to be careful what we say. 
So don't you ever say you're a sinner. You are not a sinner unless you haven't accepted Jesus Christ. I once was a sinner, but now I am by the grace of God, I am redeemed and I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And because I am who I am, I can do all things through Christ. All things through Christ. All things through Christ who strengthens me. And he who's in me is greater than he who is in the world. He, the world may have some dominion, but his dominion isn't great in my dominion. My dominion's greater where I am. That's why I say, where's your place? We all need to know where our place is. Looking for identity, that's fine. You know, too much been said about it. You know, I mean, you know who you are. You're a child of God. How much more identity you need? You know, I mean, I want to identify. People are spending their whole life to identify themselves. And then they'll come up to some fool like me. And they'll say, Pastor, what's my identity? I say, what's your name? They tell me their name. Well, that's your identity. Do you know Jesus? Yeah, you're a child of God. But what am I called to do? That's not for me to tell you what you're called to do. That's for God to call you. He says all are called. And then they're justified. You need to answer the call. People that are looking for what they're called for are people who don't move. They want to keep looking for the call. They want somebody else to give it to them, but they don't get off of these and go out and do anything. You know, they're couch potatoes. What's McCall? Somebody tell me, where's McCall? Well, that's my daughter, Mikhail. Well, what's Michal? Your call is to get off your derriere and go do something for God. That's your call. Where, pastor? Wherever you are. Where are you at? I don't, I'm not going to tell you where to go. Where's your passion? Well, I don't know. I, I do have a passion. Then go there. Then go there. We have a lady and her husband. They come once in a while, her especially. And, 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 and I think you're here. You go to, you go to, uh, to serve at, at truck depots. Yeah. Yeah, Jenna. And that's their call. They go there and they preach to truckers. Let me tell you, they're changing lives. They're doing a call that, you know, is, is, is invisible. It's an invisible call. There's nobody patting them on the back. They're not getting written up in Elijah list. They're not on Sid Roth. They're not on Jim Baker. They're not on TCT. They're not getting paraded before the church. They're going to their call. And because they're aligned where God wants them, the righteousness of God is pouring out and pouring out. Go to your call. Go. And then you'll find your identity. And guess what? It'll change. You know, if you're looking for someone to put an identity on you and it's not God, most likely they're going to confine you and never tell you who you really are. Because most people want to tell you who you are to benefit them. Huh? A lot of churches. This is who you are. You do this, but don't you do that. You say, but wait, God called me to do this. Well, I know, but you do this, you don't do that. And by the way, you're never going to do How many of you have been told in a church you're never going to do something? Look at the hands go up. Turn around, look around. Ha! I'm going to tell you something new. You're going to do everything God has called you to do. I release you. I bless you. I tell you, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Reach out farther and stronger and stretch and do it, and you will do it. And then it always feels good to look at the ones who told you couldn't do it. You go, <laughs> God laughs with you. Okay, it's not arrogance to say, <laughs> yeah. The purpose of a priest is to keep people related to God. So you're a priest of the king. I'm closing on this. As a priest, 
you have a relationship with God so you can have a relationship first and foremost with yourself. We want to be priests to other people. We need to be the high priest of our own soul first. Right? We go to God and say, God, get it right, man. You know, I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot, right? We, we're in the airplane. I'm minding my own business. I got my iPad out. I'm writing. And right before the door closes, my phone rings and somebody calls me and tells me somebody said such and such and such and such. And I said, you know what? The door's closing on the airplane. I can't talk right now. Don't you know the devil was trying to steal that two hours and 20 minutes from me in writing? And I was like, mm, mm, mm. I said, no, you're not going to steal it. You're not going to steal. I'm not going to let you steal it. I said, whoever said that's a fool, whatever they had to say is foolish, and I'm not going to give it the time of day. You say, pastor, it's not good to use that word fool. Guess what Paul called the Corinthians? Fools. He called them worse than that, idiots. He said to do such a thing is foolish and you're an idiot. It's stupid. He said it was called stupid. It's okay to call things that are done what they are. It's just that we don't hate them for doing it. So I went through that 10-minute little ordeal. To, and I said, okay, Lord, I forgive them. I don't want to, but I forgive them. And uh, we'll deal with it Monday. And then I went back. And after a little while, then my wife looked over and I was like, Went down for about 10, 15 minutes, got up, and I was refreshed. All things were new. Because of righteous alignment with God. I was incapable of it in myself, but I had to get aligned back with God. I'm closing with this, and we'll pick this. But are you liking this? Okay. I'm liking it. I'm learning a lot. Bless God. I thought I understood the righteousness until uh, this last series. I said, my God. You know, one of the hardest things for us to deal with is to keep our position with God when it's very personal. It's very easy when it's impersonal. Right? Boy, when it's personal. When it's your child. When it's your grandchildren. When it's your spouse. When it's your life. We tend to lose it we tend to get anxious we tend to worry we tend to say things later on we don't mean to say we do things we don't mean to do and at the end of the day we end up with this sin consciousness remember a couple weeks ago i dealt with sin consciousness and righteousness sin consciousness is what fell when adam and eve betrayed god sin consciousness tries to come into us all the time it has no place in us. It must be dealt with in the mind. Sin consciousness and that condemning spirit tries to bind us up from being the source and the resource to set ourselves and our loved ones free. What you must fight the hardest for is not to allow that condemnation and sin consciousness come into your own heart, first of all, about yourself, and secondly, about your loved ones, because its intent is to paralyze you. It's to hold you in a grip so that you're not flowing in the righteousness mindset of God. You want your identity? This is who you are. You've been redeemed. You've been bought by the blood. You are full of grace. You have all the wisdom to have the mind of Christ. You can do anything and everything. All things are possible with God because you are His righteousness. And the best news about it is, as I entitled the blast last week, God said, if I want to do something right, I better do it myself. 
And so he did it with Jesus Christ. You can't louse up salvation. You can't louse up God's grace. You can't louse up your righteousness. You are righteous in Jesus Christ. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He will never turn his back to you. He will always love you. No matter what condition we're in to our very last breath here on this earth, all that is is punching your ticket to the very next world where your righteousness gives you perfect standing for the rest of eternity. You are God's cherished treasure of life. He loves you. He loves you so much, we all know He gave His only begotten Son. But He hasn't quit loving you just to save you. He's loving you to give you abundance. He is more impressed when we say, Lord, here I am with all my faults. Use me. That He is by people that say, look at me. Here I am. So, it's good news for those of us who get wounded, who get lame, who get hurt, who get offended, who have wayward children that we're reeling in. They will come in. They shall come in. The righteous, the righteous shall see their words come forth. Oh, I've got some great scriptures on righteousness to use with you, Lord willing, next week. It's it's going to excite you when you really put yourself in that word. When you impart and put yourself into that word, then you begin to find your identity in the Word of God. 